Sat Nam. I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Satnam. Life is a is measured with our five senses within the three dimensions as a series of fourth dimensional moments. And we stack these fourth dimensional moments up. Sometimes we shuffle the deck. We get memorable events ahead of other memorable events. And once the experience has extinguished, memory is fuzzy. Memory is not exact. And it's the lens through which you absorb a moment that determines initially how that moment is going to be stored. And then it's the accuracy with which you store it that determines how that memory is going to be recalled. And it's the consciousness with which you recall that memory that determines how that memory is going to be used. And however that memory is used determines how you experience this moment. And the cycle begins over again. How did you experience this moment? What was the lens? How did you store it? How did you recall it? What was the conscious level of your consciousness when you recalled it? How did you apply it? As you applied it, how did it affect the experience you were experiencing? And therefore, how did you now take in through the lens the experience you're experiencing? It's what Yogi Bhajan called a compounding matrix long before the movie. <laughs> a matrix simply means a womb in which something is molded. A compounding because this layer of memory continuously supplants, superplants the previous layers. 
and the previous layers are affecting the current layer. And so they begin to lock in their similarities and likenesses to confirm the attitude. Even though your attitude could be completely incorrect, to not be incorrect, millions of years of evolution have created your distaste, your disdain for being incorrect because a million years ago if you were wrong you were probably dead wrong or wrong and then dead. And so there's a great deal of our instinctual mechanism attached to our being right. And this then gets, as Yogi Bhajan would say, willy-nilly, very technical term, <laughs> willy-nilly applied to the present moment in order to absorb the present moment through the sensory system. And once that present moment is absorbed through the sensory system, it is registered as true, even though it's quite incorrect. It's registered as true for you, compounds on top of the layers, finds its similarities amongst all of its relative moments, and confirms itself that not only was it registered as true, it's absolutely true. And you recre recreate the present extending into the future based on the past which is fuzzy, which is inaccurate, which is incorrect. It's called a wave of time. And where you ride the wave of time determines how you register the moments of time. This is that wheel of, of sensations or emotions or feelings and as we determined, there were 8.4, this is, you know, some months ago, but there are 8.4 million options in this rotating wheel because there's around 1,200 degrees and it's rotating at 7,000 per second, 1,000 per blink of the eye or 1,000 per nameshra. Nameshra is how they would the ancient yogis would measure in measurable events such as the blink of an eye, the beat of a heart, the roll of the sun, because there were no watches, there were no seconds, hours, etc. And now when we say do this for 31 minutes, basically it's the number of heartbeats that we're talking about because it was translated into an average number of heartbeats per minute. But yogis would measure things in the blink of an eye in the meshra, the beat of the heart. Also, they would measure things in what's called a, a yojana. A yojana was the distance that you could walk at a meditative pace, which is somewhere along like this. Between the rise of the sun and noon on the summer solstice. That was a yojana. And they measured the speed of light as 
2,202 yojanas and half an <laughs> And we round out the speed of light, what is it, 186,000 miles per second? If you do the math on, you know, averaging the yojana and all of that, it comes out to around somewhere in the neighborhood of 178,000 miles per second. So who knows who's right? Because we're fuzzy. And so this gives you 8.4 million options per second. So just notice that if you're feeling a feeling, you have 8.4 million, less that one, other opportunities in every moment <clears throat> to be experiencing that moment. Because the sensation, the feeling through which you register a moment, is what is going to then be installed in that moment, in that layer of memory which is then going to find its similarities amongst the previous moments to lock in the assuredness that it is correct. And then that's going to influence how you experience. It's going to influence how you experience time, how you experience people, how you experience events, how you experience circumstances, how you experience ideals, and how you come up with ideas. Because you're not going to come up with an idea that is completely outside the spectrum of your memory. Unless you change the posture of your body and the pattern of your breathing, which is the goal in Kundalini Yoga. Change the posture of your body, default posturing, and change default breathing patterns. And so you do a daily practice in which you enforce other postures. Have you ever had something like a piece of cardboard that, you've tr that had a crease in it and you want to try to get that crease out? Or a piece of paper that's wrinkled and so you try to wrinkle it the other way and to get it out? That's what we're doing in Kundalini Yoga. Our body is just an object that is wrinkled in a particular way. And it's so it, it becomes that particular way. So you see, I'll exaggerate, but you see life through this. And so in order to see life in a balanced way, you're going to try and do this for a while. But because you don't know exactly how your psycho-emotional balance is, we say we create what's called a distributed tension, which means that in order to get out of this, we'll go into a this, or we'll go into a this, or we'll go into a this. We'll go into enough things that will start to distribute the tension and balance out the wrinkle. Metaphor. Wrinkle. Because what you ultimately want to see and experience, not just see, but what you ultimately want to experience through your five senses in the three dimensions are the doorways through. You do not want to be trapped in these three dimensions, particularly when you drop your three-dimensional sensing device. 
That's a fancy way of saying you die. <laughs> so when you drop this three-dimensional sensing device, you don't want to be trapped in three dimensions because what are you going to do if you're trapped in three dimensions when you drop your three-dimensional sensing device is you're going to reach back and get another three-dimensional sensing device. It's called reincarnation, rebirthing. Hmm? And you want to just liberate and go beyond this and get on with it, you know? It's like you're so sad the last day of high school you decide to flunk so that you can stay. The bad thing is is that the thing that was really making high school so great were all your friends. <laughs> so you flunked and you went back and they've all gone forward and you're going, whoa, not quite how I recall. Yes, that is why we live in our agony. It's because we tend to always be living in that duality of doubt and then anger to get us out of doubt. And then when we get angry to get us out of doubt, we start to create some stability. We create some stability and that gets boarding. Because <laughs> boredom is right there near the top. Which boredom is what the Buddha called the middle path. No extremes, right? Boring. You know, just... oh. and so people look at us and they go, really, you do that for 31 minutes? Really? Whoa. Don't you like stop for a snack or something? You know, it's like, you know, don't you text in the middle, you know, do something and get something going on, right? So people that don't understand the value of boredom think that boredom is just boring. But it isn't just boring, it's the stepway to balance, which is the stepway that you can then lean into your devotion. Because once you arrive at balance, then balance has no, has no forward motion, has no motion at all. Balance has the ability to find direction, optimal direction. Once you find optimal direction, you move from balance into devotion. And then you can hold in that boring, balanced, devoted position. Bored, balanced, devoted position. Stable, balanced, devoted position. But what people do is they get, oh, this is boring, and balance is just part of boredom, right? And devotion, that's, that sounds too religious to me, right? So I'll just discount that right off the top, and I'll go for excitement. We're leaving for India on Saturday, and people come up to us and say, aren't you excited? And I say, no. I'm totally bored about going to India. <laughs> they think I'm being negative. I'm not. I'm being, you know, I'm being real. Because if I go to excitement, what's the flip side of excitement? Excitement, <laughs> excitement, fear. Excitement, fear. Excitement, fear. And then as soon as I go through that enough times, whoo, I get sucked right down under the bottom of the wave again. 
and now I'm upset, I'm angry, did it again, <laughs> and I'm using anger. Anger is the only way I can get out from down under here. I've got to exert somehow, right? Anger, <laughs> doubt, shouldn't have got so angry. <laughs> anger, <laughs> doubt, shouldn't have been so angry. <laughs> anger, <laughs> and then I go, doubt, no, I had a right to be angry. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Let's go do something exciting. <laughs> All life long. Up, down, up, down, up, down. And then you get a job. So that you can have a house and a car and a life in the middle of your up, down, up, down, up. And then people say, how's things going? And you, you say, oh, it's just, it's, it's frantic. It's so busy, you know. In the midst of all that, if you're blessed enough to suddenly be blocked, to suddenly just have something come into your space and just go Whoa! bow to it because a blockage is your greatest guardian it's just coming up to you and it's wrapping its tentacles around you which to you feel like I'm stuck and it's going, you bet you are stuck. And I'm what is sticking you. Now sit here. Sit here. And learn your way through this moment. When I was 24, if you read my book, you know that I had been all over and doing all this and what have you. And Yogi Bhajan sentenced me to a year in Los Angeles. <laughs> He said, you cannot leave L.A. I said, Santa Monica? <laughs> he turned to somebody and said, is Santa Monica L.A.? And they said, yeah, yeah, Santa Monica's L.A. <laughs> I remember I was delivering furniture for the Jules Bucheri Antique Company because that's where we were holding the yoga classes. And I'm driving down the Long Beach Freeway in Los Angeles, and I suddenly see the sign that says, Entering Long Beach. I go, oh my God. And I pull off the side of the road, I get to a payphone, I call Yogi Bhajan. I said, sir, I'm in Long Beach. He said, where's Long Beach? I said, just outside of L.A. I'm delivering for jewels. He said, okay, for deliveries, it's okay. <laughs> So, why did he want me to be in L.A.? Because he wanted me to think of going nowhere. Because there's nowhere to go. Isn't that the saying, right? No matter where you go, there you are. So you are to be you. You are to be you within whatever you have produced because understand that the only reason you want to go somewhere out there 
is because you believe that you'll project a different movie on a different screen. And if you are silly enough to believe that it is a different movie on a different screen, then the life cycle of that silliness is about seven years. That's why they say, break the mirror of now, seven years, bad luck. And what it means is, bad luck, luck means light, bad light. Seven years of distorted light that is making you think something is different. And that cycle, you can live in that cycle for seven years. Thinking something is different until something rolls around, you suddenly go, wow, this is familiar. Does this make sense? Does this make personal sense? Because we all do this. And what we want to do is we want to bring ourselves back into the self, into this moment, and just say, okay, well, I am going to experience this moment the way this moment is being delivered is according to the lenses that it is being delivered through. And those lenses are my lenses. So if I want that sensation to change, then I need to clean my lenses. I need to polish and grind my lenses. I need to make my lenses more accurate. And so we use asana, pranayama, kriya, mantra, mudra, and all of these in order to polish, grind, clean the lenses through which we experience the experience of this moment so that we can begin stacking in what's known as memory something that is accurate so that we can then through the lens of that accurate memory experience the now and project the future to be accurate. And when this starts to get really, really smooth and simple and easy, you're going to stir it up. Because really smooth and simple and easy doesn't feel real. Because the only way that you can test reality is through its relationship with your identity. And when things are really smooth and real and clear, you're merging. And when you're merging, you don't have an identity. When you don't have an identity, you have nothing to experience against. You have nothing to relate with because whatever you're experiencing, you are. And the only ones we want to do that with are the ones that have iconically made us feel safe. Mm 
And so we pick and choose a few individuals who have a particular look, feel, sense through our five senses. We look, sound, smell, taste, feel that has some genetic familiarity. Is this still making sense to you? has some genetic familiarity because that familiarity makes us feel safe and those are the people we accuse of being people that we love. <laughs> and we love them no more and no less than anybody else. But because we feel safe, that safety allows us to experience the sensation of love which completely causes us to merge. And so we feel safe merging and being without an identity because then we feel safe. And then people complain, oh, every time I get in relationship, I lose myself. Yeah. <laughs> That's like saying, every time I get in the water, I get wet. I mean, that's a whole long conversation. But just understand that losing yourself isn't losing yourself. Losing yourself is losing the image that you have created through that long series of memory layers and all that we've just been talking about. That's the image that you're losing. So all of this goes on inside you. There's a great movie out, just came out about, from my first teacher, Paramahansa Yogananda, is called Awake, and I recommend it highly. I mean, talk about, you know how cheesy it is when people do reenactments? You know, they try to make two people that aren't the person that you know exactly what that person looks like, and they have a bunch of people doing reenactments of different parts of their life. It can be so cheesy, right? This has no cheese in it. <laughs> they did such a magnificent job of producing the illusion of this movie. Advertisement over with. <laughs> the takeaway from today is very simple. We create the moment of now through the filter of our memory. And so in order for us to experience an accurate now, we have to produce an accurate memory. And the memory stacks in the active mode for about seven years. Another one of those seven numbers, right? Seven generations, seven years, seven days in a week, you know, lots of sevens. Seven used to be drawn as a line. For you, it'd be a line with a bunch of crossbars like this because seven represents the stairway between earth and heaven. And so they made it as a slanting line with a bunch of crossbars, which has been like this now, right? Seven represents work. If you have sevens in your numerology, it means that your lifetime is for working not for luck. Hmm? 
What you want to do is you want to build memory every single day. So at the end of every one of your days, you want to sit and review your day so that you can store the memory in an accurate way through a meditative space. Just like you want to get up and start your day in a meditative way, you want to end your day and store the memory in a meditative way. And so you simply are going to sit and you can use some kind of mantra to focus your mind. Right? What my wife and I use a lot is hummy hum brahm hum in a very elongated form that If you do that for about 11 minutes times the heartbeats in a minute, right? Then what you can do is you can put yourself to bed with a more accurate representation of this day. You go to sleep, it goes into the subconscious, you go into the theta state of the brain, sort it out, start into delta, Get rejuvenative sleep for your body cells. Start coming back out through the theta frequency of the brain. And you come right back up. You wake up. Write down exactly what comes to your consciousness at that moment. Have a journal, a diary next to your bed. The moment you wake up, write down exactly. Even if you don't think you have something, start writing a word and it'll turn into what's to come out. And start keeping a journal of how you're stacking your days. And then you go from that journaling immediately into your dosha, which means your washings, your cleansings, and then you go into your sadhana, your kriyas, your pranayams. And then you set yourself up for the next day, for this, for this day. That was the takeaway. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more.